The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about bringing your own device to work. And you know... We hear a lot about this lately, and there is a big concern about trade secrets and privacy concerns and the employee rights and the employer rights. And I read this wonderful article in the Daily Journal just about this, and the article was written by Cynthia Moyer and Michael Westheimer, and I want to tell you a little bit about them. They're wonderful attorneys right here in California. And um, so I thought this was a really important issue for us to talk about because people are always bringing their own devices to work. And sometimes they're bringing a device that the company shares with them and buys for them. But it's a, it's a different issue when the company owns the device and when you own your own device. And there's lots of huge issues about privacy. So I thought it would be a fantastic show. And I know they're going to be great. So let me tell you a little bit about both of these wonderful experts. First of all, let me introduce you to Michael. And uh, Michael Westheimer is uh, an attorney who helps business increase efficiency and manage risk in employment, employee benefits, and related business matters. He, Both of these attorneys are with um, Buckchalter. Did I say that correctly? Buckchalter? Buckchalter. Uh, Buckchalter, thank you. <laughs> That's the one thing I forgot to ask you about. Buckhalter, and um, and he happens to be a shareholder with Buckhalter. And he works with companies ranging from startups to multinationals in achieving all sorts of privacy and trade secret goals and workplace issues and proprietary information. And he does this um, by implementing compliant workplace policies and best practices and by taking effective action to remediate any legal violations. He's a trial lawyer, a very seasoned trial lawyer and a strategist, and also is highly adept at providing vigorous, cost-effective representation in response to all sorts of legal uh, challenges, lawsuits, uh, things from the government, all sorts of uh, maybe lawsuits by the governments as well. He is a shareholder, as I said, in the firm's labor and employment and litigation practice groups in San Francisco. And he is co-chair of the Wage and Hour Class Action Team. He represents clients in class action and single plaintiff litigation in state and federal courts, arbitrations, mediations, administrative hearings, and government agency proceedings. And he also performs 
internal audits, investigations, and employee and managing manager training. And he provides advice and counseling on a whole wide range of workplace issues. You can find out more about him at BuckAlter.com and also at uh, KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where we have his bio and his picture, and we link to his URL. Along with him, we have Cynthia Moyer, who also co-wrote this wonderful article I, I read, and she focuses her practice on representing management before federal and state courts and administrative agencies with regard to all aspects of employment and labor law. She has significant experience defending employers against wage and hour class actions, including claims for meal and rest period violations and employee misclassifications. Uh, she has experience uh, in matters arising under employment discrimination statutes and other common law and statutory employment lawsuits such as discrimination, harassment, breach of contract, and wrongful termination. And she counsels employers regularly on disciplinary matters, internal investigations, and compliance with applicable law. She's represented clients in business litigation and insurance litigation matters relating to individual and group life, health, and disability policies, insurance, bad faith, and ERISA litig litigation. And prior to entering private practice, uh, she interned for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in Boston, Massachusetts. So she's an associate at Balcalter as well, and you can learn more about her at our website and also at bellcalter.com. So thank you both for joining us. This is great to have you with us. Thank you, Mari. It's nice to be with you. Thank you, Mari. Yeah. Cynthia, let's, let's talk a little bit about what it means to have a, um, you know, a policy with bring your own device or BYOD. Well, bring your own device programs are programs whereby employers allow employees to use their own personal electronic devices to perform work and access company data that would otherwise only be available on the company's secured servers. A proper BYOD policy would outline the terms of usage for these personal devices. And as you mentioned, these types of policies are different from the traditional policies regarding company-issued equipment which typically restrict usage, uh, provide that the equipment can only be used for business purposes, uh, give the companies rights to access and monitor any activity on the company devices, uh, and, and they can also restrict employee activity with respect to the devices, including prohibiting employees from soliciting for religious or political causes, transmitting, receiving, or downloading offensive or improper messages or images, and using social media um, or networking sites. So a BYOD setting operates under different premises. The yeah. employee, because the employee owns the equipment, he's likely using it for personal purposes as well as business purposes and also keeps it after the employment ends. Uh, and in light of the mixed use, the employee likely retains certain rights in connection with the device and standard policies relating to company-owned equipment may be overly restrictive. Yeah. So it gets kind of crazy, doesn't it? I mean, when you... I mean, I know some of my clients actually are issued an iPhone right from the company, and then they use it personally, and that makes it very difficult for them to really protect their privacy as opposed to bringing your own device. But that also can be an issue with privacy when if they can, you know, swipe, uh, get a, a hold of it for looking at it for other purposes if it's in a policy. So why are employers increasingly adopting these policies, it, it's so crazy for them not to, right? 
Well, exactly. I think as technology advances, there are fewer and fewer differences between the operational capabilities of mobile devices and, you know, traditional desktop or laptop computers. Uh, and as a result, employees can perform many of the business functions from their personal mobile devices in lieu of these um, bigger, bulkier uh, equipment. And so really the primary rationale behind these policies is that by using these personal mobile devices, employees have greater flexibility to perform work outside of the office and or business hours, you know, when and where most convenient, which can result in increased employee productivity and morale. Yeah, it increases it, and it also brings much greater risks. So, Michael, let's talk a little bit about the difference between bring your own device and choose your own device. Well, certainly. Now, some companies, instead of having a BYOD policy, will have a CYOD policy, which means it's still company-provided equipment. It's still the company owning the equipment, but the company gives the employee an option of what equipment the company will, will buy for them. And that is, would still fall more under the traditional employer-owned device policy. It's, it's the company's equipment, and they can restrict it more. The difference with BYOD is that the employee owns it. It's, it's the employee's own device. So there are less abilities of the company or, or, or more rights that the employee may have with regard to their own property. So, Michael, you know, when, when you bring your own device but you're expected to use it for business, um, is, there, is there often, what's the difference if the company, like, pays for it? It's your device, but they pay maybe your monthly fee for, you know, uh, AT&T or something. Does that make a difference as well in terms of their access to it? Well, there's a lot of things that go into how much access the company has, and that is the sort of thing that would be addressed in their policy. What they're probably going to say in the policy is on, con on the condition that we give you access to the company's servers and the company's data, you're going to have to agree to certain restrictions. Um, I think that if the company just pays the, the, the uh, monthly charge, but it's still the employee's own device, I think the company, the, that the employee would still have the ability to say, hey, this is mine, and I can use it for my own purposes in addition to company purposes. Um, I think that the real dividing line is who actually bought it. Um, if the company bought it, I think that they have a lot more ability to be restrictive. Right. So, Cynthia, what are some of the advantages for, you know, we have a lot of companies driving by. We're here on the campus of the University of California in Irvine, a really good school, and a lot of these students are working, and obviously they're using their smartphones and all of their, you know, iPads and everything else. Um, and we have a lot of business people driving by. So, why should these businesses set forth a BYOD policy? What are well, the advantages? For, yeah. For employers, BYOD policies can result in big cost savings because the employer doesn't have to spend money on buying the same devices for their employees that they already own. Um, employees may be more familiar with the technology of their own devices, and, and that may translate into greater efficiency. Uh, I think there's also the belief that when employees can work from and use a device of their own choice, they tend to be happier and more productive. 
And what I mentioned earlier, the flexibility to perform work whenever and wherever is likely the biggest advantage. Right. So, Michael, let's talk about some of the disadvantages of having a BYOD policy. Well, I think one of the things that companies have to keep in mind and regulate this and figure out how they're going to address this is that, you're, is that they may be giving employees access to proprietary or trade secret information on the device. So the question becomes, how do I do that while still preserve my trade secrets? Uh, you want to be able to do that in an environment where you can still say, this is still a trade secret, this is still confidential proprietary information, even though I allowed the employee to access it on a BYOD device. Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of a, a, a scary thing for a company, isn't it? Really well, is. One of the things that I think is happening is that the technology is outpacing the, the thinking on this, and I think that companies generally love BYOD policies, and employees love them. I think they can create some headaches for the IT department. Right. And the question becomes, we're now in the, it, this is all in the very beginning stages, and everyone is trying to work together to reconcile all of these different things. I think that the company wants to be able to provide access. They just need to have the protocols and the policies the technology in place in order to make sure that it's done properly. Yeah, and I would think that you really have to train um, and and have very um, have some training on your policies and training on the device itself, because if if you're going to have access, you you know if if someone isn't well trained or if they don't think that there's going to be enforcement like of what websites they can go to, for example. Or where they can't, what if they can use an open or a closed, uh, you know, uh, wireless system? Um, there's all sorts of issues of even being able to know that, um, you know, that this is going to be enforced, and they just take it like with a grain of salt. They don't realize what the ramifications are at a big company. I mean, I've seen that before that people just let things in but because they are, you know, they're ignorant about it. They, they're not trained well. So I would think training is probably going to be a, a big issue as well, on training on the policy as well as training on the device. Doesn't that make sense? I think it does, and I think it's training in a variety of different ways. I think it is training the employees to let them know that if we are going to have this BYOD program and you want to take advantage of it, this is the framework that we're allowing this to happen right. and make sure that they understand that. It's about training the IT department to look for certain issues and make sure that it's operating as intended from a technology point of view. And I think it's also training managers and executives so that they fully understand what they're getting into as they roll out these policies. Yeah, and it seems to me like I know one of um, our, our family members is a top um, executive in a very big company, and they all have the same device, and that's because they can uh, they all know because you know if you don't have the same device, then the IT department may not know you get a brand new device that's you know n that the IT department isn't really familiar with. They don't even know what the vulnerabilities are, <laughs> so that could be a problem too. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's about 
and different devices have different requirements in terms of support, what, what is needed to support that device. Right. Um, different companies have different capabilities there. Some companies can't support all kinds of devices, so right. they can only support some. Right, right. Uh, it's, it's kind of overwhelming for company, especially a big company that wants to do this. So, Cynthia, let's talk about some of the privacy issues that are raised by adopting a BYOD policy. Well, there are a number of privacy-related issues. Uh, federal and state laws provide criminal and even civil penalties for accessing electronic devices without consent. Um, there are other existing laws that protect employee privacy rights, including the Health Insurance Portability and Account Accounting Act, Accountability Act, right. HIPAA, <laughs> as it's otherwise known, and uh, the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act. Uh, which both respectively protect individual health and financial information. Uh, there are privacy rights with respect to sexual matters and sexual orientation. Um, federal law also protects against genetic discrimination, and there's a similar bill that's pending in California right now. So what happens with these BYOD policies is that because of the mixed use of the devices, employees may you know, receive and store personal information on these devices, an employer who's monitoring the devices may inadvertently gain access to protected personal information. Right, right. And then, you know, that, that has to be addressed. So, so what are some of the types of policies that you recommend with regard to this? What are some of the, um, you know, some of the provisions that you would suggest to really protect that privacy? I think the first step is employers need to establish a separate policy for employee-owned mobile devices, uh, you know, keeping in mind the size and technical capability of the company. Uh, a policy should include written consent to access and monitor the device. Uh, the, the company should install proper security measures, including, you know, strong passwords, data encryption, timeout features where passwords must be reentered after a certain period of time. Employers should also write in written consent for employees, for the employer to access and remotely wipe the device if it's lost or stolen. The, the policy should prohibit employees from transferring any company information outside of the employer-approved devices, um, any server systems or platforms, including Citrix. Uh, and going back to what you and Michael were discussing earlier, well-crafted policy would also limit the types of devices that could be subject to the policy, for example, if the, the employer only had capability to host Apple devices, then it would be limited to Apple devices and, you know, an Android device couldn't be part of the program. Right. And that's, that's one way to take care of that issue. Right, right. So, Michael, let's talk about the connection, um, if there is any, to the, you know, the warrant. We've talked a lot, uh, we've heard a lot about the um, warrantless search of cell phones uh, for criminal matters, but that really affects not only criminal, but it would basically bring in, you know, the connection to civil matters as well. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and that pen, that uh, Supreme Court case? Well, sure. I mean, there's an issue right now, and one of the things that's being debated is in what exactly is a cell phone and, and how do we see it in terms of the privacy rights that are involved. So this does come up, as we're, we've been talking about in the context of uh, BYOD 
type devices, but it also comes up in another context where if somebody is getting arrested and they have a cell phone on them, can the police conduct a warrantless search of the contents of that cell phone on the spot, or is it the kind of thing where they need to get a search warrant? And a lot of that has to do with how we see cell phones and how we see these mobile devices. Do we see them as the types of devices that warrant that extra level of protection or not? And, you know, it's so interesting when we think about these mobile devices, they have everything. You know, people have, uh, lots of people put their other health data on there. They put their financial data on there. They, of course, have their intimate relationships on there. They, they, you know, they have their texting. They have, uh, literally, we have a a whole little computer in our hand, right? And uh, Go ahead. That's true. Yeah, and so it seems to me, you know, that what would it take, especially when I read some of these cases, it's it's not that hard to to get a warrant, (laughs) you know, and, you know, how does that relate to the Fourth Amendment? Well, it's it's a very interesting issue, and and tying it back to the uh, BYOD policy, one of the things that employees need to understand if they are going to have their device be part of a BYOD program is that they're going to give some of that up. It's going to be through a BYOD policy that requires them to consent to certain monitoring and the employer taking control of some of that information uh, because it's, it's, it's a necessary part of, of the business function that the company needs to do. And it, in the best of all worlds, it's a voluntary thing where the employee chooses to uh, allow that or not and understands, okay, well, what are the parameters of this? What are the restrictions? What's fair game and what's not fair game? And that should all be clear. It's similar to carrying a cell phone and in the context of, of the arrest and, and that, you know, how much am I giving up by doing that? Um, is this cell phone something that is fair game? If I was to be arrested, it's something that, sure, the police could search it, or no, uh, it's, it's off limits, and it's the sort of thing you would need a search warrant for. And I think that part of this is just changing conceptions over time and, and new technologies and the law adapting to new situations. Yeah, and in your article, I noticed that one of the, the suggestions that you had for the types of issues in a policy, you said, like an agreement to surrender the device to the employer if needed in connection with anticipated or actual litigation. So, I mean, if you're going to kind of pre-approve that, if you have to give up your device for some lawsuit against the company, maybe a trade secret issue or or something like that, that's that's a, a, you know, you're giving up your your personal device for that. So that seems like that would be a a real challenge as well as um, if you give up that device or or if they have access to the device and have, um, you know, they can go into your private your private information and you know i mean that that would seem to me uh kind of overstepping but i can understand where the company would want to have it if if there's something on there that might show that you um as as an employee were sharing trade secrets or something that's that's a tough one isn't it well i i think that the problem in this situation is it, it may not be that the employer just wants to do this it's 
possibly that the court is ordering them to do it. Right. And the reason why is because the employee is using this device for business purposes as well as personal purposes. Right. So it's possible that that device could be seen as a storehouse for certain information related to the business lawsuit. And in this world of with it, the litigation world that we live in in this country, there's this overwhelmingly broad discovery of every possible thing. So somebody's going to want to get access to that cell phone to see what potentially relevant information to the business lawsuit there might be on it, even though it's this mixed-use device, as Cynthia has said, where it also contains a lot of personal information. So it's just a difficult situation. It's a very difficult situation. And then you had as another one of the uh, suggestions was to segregate, um, you know, the the workspace from the personal space. And that seems to me that that would have to be taught on how to do that and, and you know, making sure that your employees use encryption for the personal space and maybe even a different encryption for their personal space. <laughs> how does that work? Well, and Mari, if we could go back to your last question, I think you raised a, an interesting issue with respect to privacy rights, and that is whether the employee can consent away all of their rights under the privacy laws. Uh, I think it is an open question whether, you know, any consent is, um, it, it must be a specific waiver of, you know, a specific privacy right or um, whether an employee consent can negate the application of all privacy laws. Um, for example, in California, employers are prohibited from requiring or requesting current employees or job applicants to dec- disclose a username or password for the purposes of accessing their personal social media. Right. So on its face, this law doesn't appear to accept cases where an employee provides consent to disclosure. Right, right. So is it, you know, what kind of consent is it? Is it, you know, <laughs> under duress consent? <laughs> is that real consent? You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a tough one. If I'm going to work for your company, I have to say, okay, I have my own device, but if I have access to work at home for your benefit as you're my employer and something, there's some lawsuit that you can just take my device away, that just seems crazy to me. Although it seems that they would be able to download those particular work files without touching my personal files. You know what I'm saying? If that's possible. Um, it's an interesting question, and, and, and some of this is where the technology needs to catch up a little bit to the business need and the, and the employee's personal needs. Right. There's, this, there's this concept called sandboxing and the idea of, basically building a wall within the device so that it's really two separate devices in one where the business function and the personal function are completely separated somehow and there's not any crossover. Um, I have been told by technology people that, well, technically possible, it's not easy to do that and it's possible that the technology still needs to catch up a little bit to really get to that point. Um, But... It happens all the time, even outside the BYOD context, where somebody feels too restrictive by the business applications they use, so they do something like email a document to themselves to their own personal account so they can access it more easily. Right. And that's, it's the same kind of problem of the crossover that 
businesses need to be very careful about because once somebody does that, however it happens, you take something out of the, the, the secured, protected business environment and you put it, and, you, and it leaves those confines, then the possibility of disclosure and losing its uh, trade secret type status becomes greater. Yeah, and we see that even with people with their laptops, right? I mean, they're they're using their laptop, and they're using it for both personal and for business, and it's the same issue, any kind of computer. So it's fascinating, but whoever creates, whoever is out there who can create one of these smartphones that, that delineates business from personal is going to make a fortune. I wish it was me. <laughs> Well, we are out of time. You guys are wonderful. Thank you so much, and I hope that you'll come back again. So um, you want to just give your website, Michael? Absolutely. Our website is www.buckhalter.com, B-U-C-H-A-L-T-E-R. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Cynthia Moyer and Michael Westheimer from um, your your law firm is terrific, Buckhalter, and oh, I hope to hear from you again, and I hope to read another article. Great job. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.